it's Tuesday, October 18th. This is the Drink 5 podcast. Tonight, Week 7 Player Trends and Truths. Uh, yeah! This is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jason, joined as always uh, with Dave, by Dave, joined by Dave. I never know what to say in that situation. What's the proper grammar there, Dave? The proper grammar? Joined by you, right? Joined by? Right. But that doesn't sound right. Sounds like we're, uh, you know, Siamese twins or something. I'm conjoined at the hip. Yeah, joined at the football. Anyways, tonight we're here to talk (laughs) about fantasy football. We're talking about week seven. Talk about a few of the things that uh, happened back in week six. Um, but first, as always, we must know what we are drinking tonight. Um, so currently in my hand, I've got the Rabid Rabbit from Three Floyds. Um, it's not normal. I don't know if that's part of the uh, part of the label or part of the title, or they just like writing "It's not normal" all over the label. But hey, um, it works for me. It's a saison ale. Um, not bad. I think we may have gotten a slightly older version of it, um, but hey, um, I'm enjoying it right now. I need a beer. Sure, and Three Floyds, the company that uh, makes great beers, but apparently are a bunch of assholes. That is what I've heard from everyone who has been to the brewery, who's known the brewers personally, or just uh, you know looked and, and experienced their customer service. So if you're thinking about taking a trip to Three Floyds, maybe think about just buying some Three Floyds and enjoying it in the comfort of your home. And uh, that's that's my advice based on uh, you know who I've spoken to out in the uh, beer world. I would still love to to go and, and check out the brewery sometime. It's in Indiana. I think it's in like northwestern Indiana. Yeah, it's in the Chicago area. But yeah, I guess I guess they just come off as uh as not very cool. Well, you know, they have a dark lord day. I suppose you could consider that a bit arrogant. Hey, but snobby snobby beer guys, like that's cool. I understand that happens a lot. But uh if I'm your customer, you need to be uh, you need to be nice to me at least a little bit, you know, <laughs> at least until I become a nuisance. Unless we're going to a place like Ed DeBevix or somewhere that's supposed to not be nice to you. Exactly. So, um, like you said, we're gonna we're gonna start off the uh, evening by by what touching on a couple topics from from last week or some injuries or yeah what do you yeah we'll start? touch on a few things from last week. So, um, you know, there there was a, several injuries from last week. A few players got injured right in a very short span of time. I don't know if uh, you were paying attention to Red Zone early on in the noon games, um, but LaShawn McCoy, Odell Beckham Jr., and Ben Roethlisberger all got hurt within about 10 minutes of each other. And they all basically didn't really return for the rest of the first half. They, they came back or, or they were, you know, essentially ineffective if they played. But um, McCoy and Beckham wound up putting up 32 points each in the game. They both had phenomenal second halves. Uh, McCoy was already having a very good game when he got hurt, um, and it looked terrible. But like a lot of McCoy injuries, they look terrible, and he reacts to them incredibly dramatically, and then he comes back in the second half, and he's fine. Yeah, he had a great game. Yeah, so um, interestingly enough, they put up 32.2 points each, exactly the same score. 
it, there was there was weird things going on with numbers that day. Uh, my girlfriend was looking at her fantasy team, and at the same time, she had three players that had scored nine point three one points or something. Nine point three points. <laughs> we're, we're not we're not in the uh, um, hundreds yet, are we? Of decimal scoring, we're, we're uh, <laughs> only with quarterbacks. Only quarterbacks go in the hundreds, right? For the most part. So yeah, like three guys that had nine point three points at the same time, and it was odd. And then and then of course I go on to see this and a couple of other things. It was uh, just kind of a weird statistical day, um, you know, and that probably has more to do with the specific time I was looking at it than anything else. But sure. these uh, coincidences are always interesting. Like I was looking at um, the scores at one point, uh, and all of the leading players, like the overall leading players, had like were all separated by one point exactly. Mm. Um, so, anyways. Um, we will look uh, for Ben Roethlisberger to be out for a couple of weeks. That means that Landry Jones is going to be starting. Dave, um, you're sitting there wearing your Le'Veon Bell jersey. Obviously, you're hoping for a big Bell game next week against the Patriots. But do you think the Steelers stand any chance of beating the Patriots without Ben Roethlisberger? I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Steelers. I think they have a great offense. They've had a couple games this year that they've had issues in. And uh, the Patriots generally um, they generally beat them anyway. Um, you know, the fact that the Patriots are more than not healthy. Uh, for the Steelers, what it really comes down to is having good quarterback play. And for, for the Steelers specifically, uh, when Ben went down a couple years ago, and every season he'll, he'll generally have a couple of weeks, you know, uh, of an injury or something like that. Thankfully, uh, for us as Steelers fans, um, we, uh, Steeler Nation I'm speaking on behalf of. Oh, of course. We, uh, we haven't really had any big seasons where he's been out the whole time, etc. It's just been little issues. But we used to have quarterbacks that could at least give us good backup play enough to win the games. And uh, we don't have that with Landry Jones. He's a guy who's thrown five interceptions in like 59 attempts in the NFL. So His career... Stats are abysmal. So they're keeping him for a reason. They also have Zach Mettenberger in the wings. And I kind of like Mettenberger better than Jones, but Jones knows the offense. He's going to go out there and probably do a lot of handoffs and and force the ball to Antonio Brown. Not expecting a big game from the Steelers. Not expecting a win. But I do expect that everyone will still start Brown and Bell and that they're going to at least produce as, you know, um, uh, maybe 10 or 15 ranks down from their their position at the worst but they're startable obviously as uh running backs and wide receivers but usually you might you might go after a guy like sammy Coates. you might go after a guy like jesse james i think that there are way more random in this kind of a game and that they're no longer startable because of the quarterback situation oh totally um and you know not that you could ever sit Le'Veon bell or antonio brown but one of the things that they do best with the patriots is scheme to take away your biggest weapon and certainly the, you know, I, I would assume that they're going to scheme to take away Le'Veon Bell in this game. I don't know. Well, whichever one they don't scheme to take away is going to get an awful lot of passes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I'm, I have zero faith in, um, less than zero faith in Landry Jones. Okay, well, sitting those offensive studs is the wrong move, in my opinion. I, I didn't, I, I said you can't sit them, but... Well, you're kind of on the fence over there. You're feeling bad about this whole situation. I certainly wouldn't. Those are the only two people that you can play at all on the Steelers. There's certainly nobody else that I would want to start. So uh, more forward-facing, uh, good news is that he already went and uh, and had the, um, the surgery, I believe, which was just to sort of clear out and scope um, with, with a meniscus injury like that. You are not really repairing stuff. 
you are just kind of uh, clearing out all of the crap that was torn, etc., and then just putting him on an R&R for a week or two. So they're actually expecting Ben to start back up in week eight or week nine. Um, I would prefer it be week nine, but they do have a bye week coming up, so Ben Roethlisberger will probably be startable again in a couple weeks. Uh, and the Steelers are still number one in the AFC North, so hopefully for them, they, they don't lose both of these games if, if he's not able to play six and eight. So the sorry, Steelers, seven and uh, it looks like the Steelers have a week eight bye. Seven and nine. So um, he can be off for essentially twenty one days before uh, the Ravens game on Sunday, November sixth. Right. So three weeks is what they're thinking uh, would be the right amount of time for him to recover. Yeah, and that's a division game on the road. They'd certainly like him back by then. If not then, then uh, the following week they play the Cowboys at home. So they they need him back by that point. Um, maybe they can beat the Ravens on the road. I kind of doubt it uh, without Roethlisberger because they have not looked like the same team on the road as they have at home. So I, I expect them to give a good fight against the Patriots. But just like you know, this past week when the Patriots weren't blowing out the the Bengals early on, but it still wound up looking like a laugher at the end of the game. But hey, this is fantasy, right? So if we're losing uh, as the Steelers, then we're going to have bigger opportunities for big plays and the other team playing prevent. And it's certainly possible... More Antonio Brown, more screen passes to Le'Veon Bell. Certainly possible that those guys both put up numbers regardless of the uh, NFL outcome of the game. Right. So remember, guys, uh, don't F with Andy Reid. The man is 16-2. and two. Coming off the bye. Oh, shit, dog. So, this week they were on the road. The, sh- the the Chiefs, I almost said. The Chiefs shut out the Raiders in the second half. They waltzed to an easy division road win. So, uh, in this game, we saw we were told that they would remove the training wheels from Jamal Charles. Uh, it didn't quite seem like that was the case. Maybe Isn't that what Jamal Charles said? I thought the coach had said that too. Maybe think, it was just. I Jamal think he Charles. was saying we're still going to see plenty of Spencer Ware. Okay, well, we did see plenty of Spencer Ware. He had twenty-four carries. So mm-hmm. Charles had a touchdown early. He looked okay early. Uh, maybe it was game flow and field conditions that caused Andy Reid to just say, "You know what? We'll just ride with the guy who's working right now." Um, but I got to say, you know, almost like the Dak Prescott Tony Romo situation, you've got a guy who's playing so well against a veteran who's coming off of an injury, you know, do you stick with Spencer Ware over Jamal Charles if you're Andy Reid? I think they... Or do you just kind of, like, split it? I think it'll all work out. You know, I think we expected him to to uh, to struggle a little bit to come back because he's injured both knees. Um, and you have a guy that's performing really well, like you mentioned. So I, I suspect that he's just not trying to wear out, you know, the tread on Jamal's tires, certainly... Kansas City looks like they're a team that could make the playoffs. So if and when they do, they certainly want all their guys healthy. Um, unfortunately, this is not a situation that bodes real great for fantasy. But hey, if Jamal scores a touchdown, I don't care if he has eight carries. He's still playable every every game. Yeah, so um, I think you can probably still start them this week. But Spencer know. Ware has been really good. He has. So, um, you know, it, it hasn't been maybe quite as good as Dak Prescott. So maybe I am exaggerating just a bit there. Uh, but Kansas City has a great matchup against the Saints this week. So expect lots of points uh, in that game. Well, it, yeah, in that game. Saints offense is playing very well. Uh, the Chiefs defense certainly can give up a lot of points. We saw 
San Diego put up 28 on them, I think it was. Um, so it, it should be a, a very good game. Um, so speaking of Dak Prescott, he broke Tom Brady's record for pass attempts without an interception to start a career. And that's a very specific record, I suppose. But Brady did have the record at 162. Prescott uh, finished his streak at 176 before throwing a pick uh, late in the game in Green Bay. Uh, pick that didn't wind up really mattering because Aaron Rodgers probably just gave the ball right back. Um, so uh, the stat may be insignificant, but the record of five and one is, you know, important. Now you're going to get two weeks of is it going to be Dak or is it going to be Tony coming back off their bye? They're on bye week seven. In week eight, they play the Cowboys. Um, looking at the schedule, they play the Eagles on Sunday Night Football in Dallas. You know that's a great platform for Tony Romo to come back. However, I think that they're going to have Dak Prescott starting in this game in week eight. What What do you think, Dave? Do you think that you know, kind of regardless of what T- Romo has, he's going they're going to go with Dak still, or do you think as soon as Romo can play, or as soon as Romo is a hundred percent, they're going to put him in? I think that Romo and Jerry Jones have a really good relationship. I think that Tony Romo will still end up starting, but I don't think he'll start um, soon because they're they're doing well right now. And Dak Prescott has been playing well, but he's not connecting with Des Bryant, who's not even in the game right now. It's it's pretty much been the Ezekiel Elliott and uh, kind of short to mid range passing game. So Cole Beasley. Show. So we're going to get Tony and Des maybe coming back around the same time. Uh, that's probably what Jerry is thinking. He's like, we'll just unveil this all, um, you know, (laughs) with lights and explosions. To pair it with my Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, well, personally, I think that that Tony is still the guy there. I think that's sort of what Jerry has said, too. And, you know, he's the guy who makes the decisions, not the coach of the team. Um, But I think that for the next couple weeks, there's no reason not to start Dak Prescott. Why don't we just uh, wait and see? Uh, and if they start losing, then there would be a particular reason for Tony to step in, right? But if they're not losing, then get him 100% healthy. This is what always happens to Tony Romo. Surely they're recognizing it by now, yeah. is that he comes back too early from an injury. Same thing happens to Roethlisberger. Back too early from an injury because everybody thinks that he's the most necessary component of the offense. And then he comes back and gets injured again. So, so if they can avoid that, I'm sure they would rather have Tony in the playoffs than Dak Prescott. So let me just throw this out there. If they're 9-1, and one, they win the next four games, you know, and Tony Romo is for sure 100% by that point, do you take him back or you say, Dak's not losing, we're going to keep him in? I still think Jerry Jones puts Tony Romo back in as quarterback. Okay. What would you do if you were Jerry Jones? I would put Tony Romo back in as quarterback. Okay. Interesting. He's, I, he's still a rookie, and I, I don't think he's Tom Brady. I think that, uh, and uh, Mike in our chat room says that they would be silly to put Romo in. I, I don't think that they would be silly to put Romo in. Romo is a great quarterback. He's really good uh, at coming back, uh, you know, from down in the fourth quarter. Um, doesn't have the greatest playoff record, but then again, uh, Dak Prescott has no playoff record. But I think that if Dak Prescott keeps winning games, you have to keep him in. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that people go pick up Tony Romo right now because he's not—he's outside the top ten anyway. So that's not really an issue. Well, if he was playing in 100, percent don't you think he'd be in the top ten? No, I think Tony Romo has, for his entire career, been right outside the top ten. So I mean, 
maybe as a bye week villain, but he's not a guy you're starting every week because you would start Drew Brees over him. Heck, this year you start uh, Matt Stafford over him. You start Matt Ryan over him. Well, you you're st- naming off the best quarterbacks of the year. So well, far. the list goes on, you know. I'm saying there's a lot of quarterbacks that I would rather have starting, even if they do put Tony Romo back in, because we don't have a Des Bryant, you know. And, uh, and yeah, he needs a healthy Des because Dak is not throwing like you know big, huge touchdown passes, etc. And if the Cowboys are going to fundamentally change their offense and just use Ezekiel Elliott and Dink and Dunk, that's fine. But I don't see that happening because I don't see Jerry Jones letting that happen. <laughs> My opinion is based solely on the relationship between Romo and Jones, and I'm just saying that as of right now, I think that's still the plan. But, I mean, Prescott could continue to do well. They can continue to win games. Let's just let's sit back and see what happens. But is Dak Prescott even a good start as a quarterback in a, in a regular league? He's not. In fantasy, no. No, he is far out of the top ten. Right. You need to be in a really deep league or in a two-quarterback league to be worrying about Dak Prescott. Yeah, so Dynasty, I think he's a good he's good to be holding on to right now. Assuming sure. that he takes over the role within the next year or two. Well, I, yeah, I think that it'll be in the next couple years that he takes over like officially. With this as his resume now in the NFL, uh, Dak Prescott is going to be the starting quarterback going into a season in the next three years. Maybe so. I mean, either he, for the Cowboys or for someone. Well, else. he's a rookie this year, so they have him on a contract for what for three years? Usually for three to four years. So. You know, either they, he takes over for Tony Romo after Romo plays another couple years, or they move him in order to get some draft picks back. Well, I agree with you. I just think the relationship between Romo and Jones is too strong for him to completely force him out. I just don't see that happening. They do have a good bro love there. <laughs> well, we'll see. I I uh, am really interested in how the situation is going to develop. All right, so hopefully from us, you won't get any more of the Dak or Tony we will just see what happens. You know what we what we think about it. Well, we'll absolutely talk about it in the coming weeks. Well, we you know, <laughs> if there's more news on it, we'll talk about it next week. But I don't think that we'll need to just ask the same questions over and over again, like the you know you must not hour news media you must not watch the NFL Network or listen to podcasts very Look, often. We only have ninety minutes to fill. They have twenty four <laughs> hours to fill every day. That's why they have to ask that question over and over again. Well, when we first started the podcast, we were doing Tim Tebow shows all the time. Even though you hated it, it doesn't matter, man. That's what the people want to hear. Oh, well, then I guess we have to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. proposing to a kicking net. But, well, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as a fantasy football player scores a whole bunch of points, then all is forgiven. Every time. Every time. Like if Tony Romo comes in in two weeks and he scores 30 points and, and Des Bryant gets uh, you know two touchdowns, then then suddenly no one's going to even mention Dak Prescott anymore. Right, that's very true. <laughs> They'll just say, I'm glad we have him as a backup. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, a few injuries to keep an eye on that uh, occurred in this past week, or maybe affecting you in the week to come. Uh, Carlos Hyde had his arm in a sling after a shoulder injury. The, the arm was in the sling on Tuesday, today. Um he did leave the game against the Bills, but also returned to the game. So um, it's not expected to cost him another week. Uh, but Carlos Hyde is still a guy that you're starting every week, I suppose, if you got him on your team, unless you have like unless you're stacked at running back, because he's a top twenty guy for sure. Uh, Jordan Reed is seeing an independent doctor today. Uh, essentially, what that means is that he is moving along in the concussion protocol uh, in order to get approved for playing in week seven. So. So far, everything's going according to schedule. 
Uh, I know that Reed's got a history with concussions, and really any injury that he has seems to keep him out for a couple weeks, so keep an eye on it, but you might get him back uh, right away in Week 7, which would be nice. A nice change for him to only be out for one week rather than like five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Lacy is going to be out on Thursday night, so this is kind of an interesting situation. The Packers have no starting running backs right now. They have Niall Davis, who they just traded for this morning, right? It was today, not yesterday? Um, anyways. Uh, I, I, I could have been yesterday, I'm not sure, but it was in the past couple days. And they're saying Eddie Lacy is expected to miss several weeks now um, for some kind of foot or ankle issue. So Niall Davis is the running back for the Green Bay Packers. Um, so re- regardless, I think, of, of what's going on on that team, Niall Davis is is now, for teams with running back trouble, a must-grab in the waiver wire and uh, an arguably a must-start against the Chicago Bears defense. Yeah, I mean, the Bears against the run. The, the Bears defense has been playing better, as uh, I read on Roto World today. They're playing above their talent level, which is always, you know, I suppose a credit to the coaching but regardless, the Bears are giving up the 20th fewest points, 16 points to opposing uh, running backs. So they're not really letting anybody really go off on them, per se. So, you know, Elliott had 16 points on them. Ryan Matthews had 15.5. Lamar Miller had 11.7. So I, I would expect, you know, you, you could get at least a 10-point game out of a Green Bay starter, I would hope. Um, but, I mean... Jeez, I'm only going that way if I have no starters. If I if I'm short a starter, right now I've got a league, for example, where you know I'm shuffling between Latavius Murray or his backup and T.J. Yeldon. So maybe that's a league where I may start a Niall Davis as a flyer for one week. Um, but you know that's a sketchy start in my book. Yeah, well, fantasy is about taking risks, right? If you're being conservative, you're never going to pick up that guy. You're never going to start that guy when he has those weeks. And now Davis was really good in Kansas City. Granted, he doesn't have a lot of time to to learn the offense, but how difficult is it really to do a couple flat plays and do a couple you know different uh, running back plays? The running backs are always the guys that are the quickest to catch on. It's not like they're a wide receiver that has to go out and run some crazy routes to be exactly where Aaron Rodgers needs him to be. I what, mean, it's a lot more simple to to run a basic offense as a running back than it is a wide receiver. What Niall Davis needs to be able to do is pass protect. For Aaron Rodgers. Um, well, he's their only running back, so... <laughs> well, yeah, they don't have much of a choice, I guess. Uh, they'll be playing a lot of shotgun, I would imagine. Um, and you may see Ty Montgomery and uh, Randall Cobb in the backfield a lot more than you normally would. Sure, but you, I mean, they said the same thing last week, and it's not like Randall Cobb had 14 carries or something. Right, they didn't... I mean, he still had a lot of touches. They are throwing the ball to him a lot, and I think that that's going to continue because Rodgers knows that he's his safety valve, but... Um, well, I like Ty the Montgomery. The running game could throw the offense totally out of it. I think Ty Montgomery gets the stuff, not Randall Cobb necessarily. So if we look at it as a as sort of a Ty Montgomery slash Niall Davis backfield, maybe that's what will happen. But right, I don't I don't see Randall Cobb increasing his production over what he's had the last two weeks, which is it's been nine good. catches and more than ten targets every game. Right, it's been good. Right, it has been good. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers has been off. He's missing his receivers. These guys are getting open, and he's missing them. But it's not only that. It's also without Eddie Lacy, who's a good running back, then there is no threat in the backfield. So Niall Davis has to go out there and perform. If he doesn't, then the Packers are going to have a tough time winning against the, the hapless Chicago Bears. If 
regardless of what happens in this game, if they win or lose, it's not going to be because of Niall Davis. It's going to be because of Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about Eddie Lacy, not Niall Davis. I'm saying Eddie Lacy is a huge threat they have to prepare for. Oh, right. Now they, they no don't, longer don't have to. Which means they're just going to double-team wide receivers because they're not really going to care about like and the Steph, random people yeah. running from the backfield. It's it's It might look bad for the Packers unless something happens. But this is one of these situations where I, I really do think that rolling the dice on a guy like Niall Davis could result you in 12 points um, you know, in, in not that surprising of a circumstance. I, mean, I would not be surprised if he had 12 points. Let's say you got like a 30% chance for him to have a really good outing. And granted, uh, there could be a situation, and it could be on Thursday, where Niall Davis goes out there and literally does nothing. Because maybe he's just can't get situated with the offense. We don't know. Right. Uh, if he bl- if he misses blocks on the first drive and Aaron Rodgers gets creamed, he's not going to be out there. I mean, then they'll put in practice squad guys and stuff, which is maybe... They'll put in someone who can pick up blocks. And they'll put in a fullback, and they just won't run the ball. Well, let's put it this way. They'll throw it 50 times. That's the interesting thing to me about this game. Not really very much else. It's, uh, it's does Cameron Meredith keep putting up points? And what happens with Niall Davis in the backfield of the Green Bay Packers? Right. I actually don't care about the result of the game. I'm just interested in, in <laughs> those two circumstances, and I'm going to be watching for that. It's you only be, don't care because you haven't picked the game yet. Once you pick the fun. game, then you'll, you'll want it to go your way. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it possible in a confidence pool to pick neither team? <laughs> is that, can uh, I put zero points on a team? No, I'll probably put the least amount of points I can on the Packers is probably what I'll do. Um, okay, so Terrell Pryor also uh, is injured. He had a hamstring injury. Um, and, you know, just when things are going well in Cleveland, you know, their best player gets injured. So there's no word yet as to whether or not he's going to actually miss any time. But it's, you know, a soft t- tissue injury. The guy who's had a history of that. Uh, you really can't have bad hamstrings and stuff when you're a wide receiver. Maybe a quarterback could get away with it or something like that. But. Um, he's considered day to day at the moment. Um, Rotor World says that he's shaky for week seven. So uh, obviously, have someone in place ready to go. I don't know if there's anyone on the Browns that you would want to pick up in his place. Nope. And I think Pryor starts. I I think he he knows that if he stops this train that he's on, that he may never pick back up. He's on never going to get a chance again. Well, I don't know about that. Corey Coleman is still out for an indeterminate number of weeks because he broke his hand and he's not even close to being back. Right. They said three to six weeks, and the guy is still far away as far as everything that I've seen. And, I mean, that that team has Terrell Pryor scoring 20 points a game with the third-string quarterback. So, I mean, they have to do everything in their power to get this guy. You know, you like the hyperbaric chambers. They probably have him hooked up on some alien support system (laughs) with oxygen and all kinds of, like, weirdly extraterrestrial chemicals flowing into his body. Like this is some uh, this is some confidential shit that's happening to Terrell Pryor right now. He's getting there's going to be men in dark sunglasses knocking at our door any minute. He's getting the full Adrian Peterson treatment, and uh, I think he'll be okay. But to your point, he's a fast and tall guy, and fast and tall guys that have hamstring injuries are not able to perform to to spec. You know what might help him though is one of those little those little shots that they give you. You know, a couple shots in the in the hamstring. Whatever they gave Ben Roethlisberger, so he could play the second half of the game. Takes off a couple months of your life, but it works really well. He tore the meniscus <laughs> in the first half. And well, he played the whole second half. But let's be honest, you you can play football without an ACL. You're just not going to be really good at it. Right. You can't move laterally. That's all. So I mean, but if he, he can't step away from a, a like an on rushing. 
you know. Sure, but he went out there in pain, lineman. and he threw a touchdown because he felt like he had to do that. <laughs> and because I, I would too if I was the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback and I was losing to the Dolphins. And they still lost the game. That's that's too bad. <laughs> um, but I look for prior to come back, but you're right. You have to have a replacement in place, and it can't really come from the Browns because their team is terrible. Um, the other thing about the Browns that I find really interesting, and we might talk about it later, but that is that uh, Isaiah Crowell, who did really well the first couple weeks, it looks like because they've lost a lot of their offensive line, uh-huh. etc., that now it's going to be more of a Duke Johnson situation for the rest of the year. Because... So what you're saying is that Isaiah Crowell might be trending down a little? Oh, we're going to talk Ooh, about that? We're going we're gonna to foreshadow this a little bit. Oh, I didn't look at the trends. Uh, a few trends coming up soon, folks. But yeah, I, uh, I'm also looking at Duke Johnson to be a guy that's going to be helpful throughout the rest of the year because they don't have the structure anymore to, to run the ball straight ahead. So every week, uh, our good buddy Jim Hutchins gives us waiver wire advice. So I want you guys to make sure you check out the website every uh, Tuesday, at least, before your uh, waivers are due so that you can uh, look at his recommendations. We'll go over them as well right now. Um, so uh, at quarterback, we've got Alex Smith, who's only 28% owned. We always aim for people who are uh, 50, really 40% or less owned. Um, so that means that you need to keep an eye out in your league for people who are uh, still available. I did notice, um, like, it, I still have a league with Marcus Mariota available. Someone like that would be a much better pickup than, you know, these guys. Anyways, Alex Smith uh, ended up being a bust as the Chiefs, uh, you know, just had a rushing attack against the Raiders. But they play the Saints next week. They're going to have to pass the ball a lot more to keep up with Drew Brees. I... Uh, as well as Jim, like Alex Smith as a quarterback one this week. I know I said that last week, but I really mean it this week. I'll double down on it if I need to. Uh, I will even be starting Alex Smith this week in a two-quarterback league. Uh, But he may be my best quarterback because my other quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Um, So, Dave, what do you think about Alex Smith this week? Do you think that it's going to be a big rushing attack still, or do you think that because it's New Orleans, because it's a weak defense and a good offense that they're playing against that they're going to, have to put up points it's going to be a more of a passing attack i have him ranked as the number 13 quarterback for this particular week i think he's still outside of the top 10 i think that alex smith is like fool's gold kind of where you're like great matchup great possibilities jeremy macklin and then he puts up 150 yards and a touchdown because he's just not that guy that's what i think personally now he has a great matchup so so if you want to roll the dice with that there's certainly the, the possibility that he comes out and has a great game I'm not saying that he won't. I mean, he, he has the propensity to run the ball sometimes. Uh, he certainly has a good receiver out there. Um, so so this is a possibility. But, yeah, I have him at 13, so I'm not going to play him unless I have to. Okay, yeah, we actually have him in our rankings at 11, so we've split the difference. I like him at 9. Dave likes him at 13. Um, I think we both would agree, though, that uh, if you need to fill in for maybe Roethlisberger. It's a good Alex Smith week. Yes, it's a good week for Alex Smith. <laughs> uh, honorable mention so, yeah. would be Joe Flacco. Uh, Baltimore this week is going to be playing. Um, I can never look. I can never find a team when I need to find. <laughs> they a play team. the Jets. No, the Jets play the Browns. Oh, I'm looking at Week Eight. My bad. 
Okay, they, they play the Jets. I'll they play the Jets. <laughs> Please do. Yes. Okay, so Joe Flacco. Um, I, I would rather have Alex Smith in, in that, just because Joe Flacco has been so inconsistent. At least Alex Smith is going to give you 15 points. Oh yeah. Well, in that case, I mean, I'd rather have Tyrod Taylor. I'd rather have Eli Manning. I'd rather have Jameis Winston. I'd rather have uh, a lot of guys. I'd rather I assume have, a lot of those guys are going to be more owned than Joe Flacco. Is. I'd rather have Brian Hoyer. I mean, I, I don't know. Joe Flacco is a—he's a tough pickup unless you got a two-quarterback league, which I do, and I have him starting. So I'm not a, a Flacco hater or anything. But you're right. Uh, playing against the Jets, they're having their fair share of problems right now. Uh, but they still are a decent defense, and I, I don't see him just throwing for 300 yards or something like that. All right. So at running back, uh, the guy who was a revelation this week in Miami against the Steelers was Jay Ajayi. He put up 204 yards, two touchdowns, at 25 carries, um, at another catch for three yards. So he was the top-scoring running back this week. Uh, he has the most, what is it, the most yards on the season in one game. Um, so basically, uh, I expect Ajayi to be the hottest pickup of the week. He's going to be the one that, you know, the top people, the top priority in your league is going to take. People who save their priority from week to week are going to be getting him. If you're in an auction waiver league, then he's going to be going for more than $50. Which you should have listened to me last week when I told you that when he'd you be told the starter. You to pick him up, yeah. But, but regardless, you, you, everyone's going to dump him again after he only puts up 60 yards against Buffalo. <laughs> I mean, he has the opportunity, again, to get touchdowns, etc. But Buffalo is... Uh, is again one of my top defensive picks this year. I mean, this week. It's Minnesota and Buffalo, which I think are by far the top two defenses in the NFL this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, Minnesota's been great. Buffalo's been playing very well. You put up 45 points last week. Your defense can go crazy when your offense puts up 45 points. It's great. Mm-hmm. They can take all kinds of chances. Maybe it won't always work out, but then you have a better chance of getting pick sixes, stuff like that. So I love Ajayi. I love him for the long term. If somebody scoops him up and then drops him because he has a bad game, pick him right back up off the wire. I still think that Ajayi is the future there in Miami. Um, and I, I don't think that Arian Foster was ever really hired to be the long-term guy. And with the injuries he's having and the and sort of the production slump that he's gone through over the past year or so, I mean, even the end of last year, he was not doing as well as he was previous to that. And a lot of uh, coaches and a lot of pundits in the fantasy football world have noticed that he kind of lost a step, that he didn't look like the same guy. So I love him now as as an older veteran presence, as the backup guy or a guy who can fill in. I no longer think Arian Foster is a you know a starter for a team in the NFL, and it makes me sad because I, I actually love the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer, um, but I think you're right. I think that it's got to be a Jai going forward. Um, so Devontae Booker, 27% owned. So this is the second uh, week in a row that Jim's had him on the list. Um, he continues to outproduce C.J. Anderson, and he's had about half as many carries, if I remember correctly, last week than C.J. Anderson did. So tell me, as a C.J. Anderson fan, does Devontae Booker kind of make you sad? Uh, sad, no. Nervous, <laughs> yes. Um, I do expect C.J. Anderson to carry the majority of, you know, have the majority of the carries this week, um, and I expect him to produce a little bit better with Gary Kubiak back. Um, but you never know. I mean, Devontae Booker could wind up being one of those guys who flips it on on his starter, and he becomes you know the the sixty forty guy 
and he's the gets the sixty. Um, so I I don't think I'm starting him right away. Not like Ajayi, uh, but Booker is a good guy to pick up and leave on your bench. Maybe uh, if you need to look for stuff that's going to be coming down the road a few weeks. So let's talk about in, in our rankings, uh, for example. Um, so our consensus rankings, now that is uh, Jason and I sort of put together as an amalgamate. What, uh, where do we have Ajayi and Booker for this coming week? Okay, so Jay Ajayi is number 23. Um, I have him at 18, you have him at 27. And then uh, Devontae Booker we have at 35. Um I have him at 31, you have him at 35. So, uh, obviously, we're both higher on Ajayi this week. It would be difficult not to be after after last week's performance. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's I mean, drinking the Kool-Aid at this moment. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, but yeah, Booker's a guy to have on the radar. He's probably already owned in Dynasty Leagues and in Deep Leagues just because uh, it's been a couple weeks now, kind of whispers in the woods saying uh, this guy's going to get more and more of this production because of what's happening with CJ. So from your perspective and all those out you uh, out there, your perspective as CJ Anderson owners, you have to think uh, he still has the opportunity because he's getting the lion's share of carries, uh, as small of a line as that might be, uh, to prove Kubiak wrong. Right. And we've seen C.J. Anderson go on six-game stretches where he's the best running back in the game. But he's not being helped here by what is considered by many to be pretty poor quarterback play and some really confusing play calling and some just disarray in general in Denver. Absolutely over the last two weeks. I feel like Denver started the season very well. Maybe it was kind of riding the Super Bowl high. Uh, their defense hasn't been playing as well, but that's you know beside the point. Um, I think that... Denver has a chance over the next two weeks or so to sort of right the ship. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to be rookies and it's going to be guys who uh, they're trying to develop, really, for the future. Well, that, and I, I, I have a strong feeling that this kind of a situation lends itself better to a running back by committee. So we might see C.J. Anderson on Denver for years to come, but I would expect him to always have another guy. I do not expect him to carry the load uh, every week. I no like longer expect that. D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, I expect it to develop into a two-back situation in Denver because it just seems like that's you know the the way things are rolling. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that that uh, either guy is is a non-starter, um, and, and especially good for C.J. Anderson owners that uh, they're still giving him the bigger carry total. So right. that's that's what you want. Yeah, you, you stick with C.J. for at least another week um, and reevaluate next week, but. If, you, if you've got the space, if you need some running back depth, if you're looking forward, pick up Devontae Booker this week. Just like Dave said, if I if you listened to me last week, you would have already had Jay Ajayi on your team. Um, so honorable mentions at running back for pickups. Deion Lewis, that's another forward-looking pickup. He is eligible to be reactivated. It doesn't sound like he's going to be reactivated this week. It seems like that could come after their bye week. Um, the news on him is real wait and see. Yeah, so... I think James White is still the guy there for a while. So James White is probably going to be owned by more people than we'll allow into our list right now. Uh, James White is currently owned by 57% of teams. So keep an eye out for him. Definitely pick him up if he's still available uh, over some of these other guys. He's available in one of my leagues. I won't tell you which one. Especially because... He is uh, playing against Pittsburgh, who doesn't have Ryan Shazier probably, because they'll probably just wait for him uh, until they get the whole you know uh, whole group back. And uh, he's playing against a Pittsburgh rushing defense that just let Jay Ajayi 
run for you know 200 plus yards. Yeah, geez. I mean, the Pittsburgh run defense started the season very good, but they really fell off. They're not giving up the fifth most points to opposing quarterback or running backs. Well, the way I look at it, like look at a baseball season, you have 162 games. Football season has 16. So you, as a team, you're only really allowed to have one up and down uh, during the season. You can't do it multiple times like you can in hockey or baseball or these other kinds it's of true. sports. It's true. So the Steelers are definitely fumbling a little bit. They have the opportunity to right the ship when they get Roethlisberger back and Shazier back. But if they fumble then again as well, then I don't expect them to finish on top of their division or you know they might even fall out They'll of the playoffs. They'll be calling for a wild card. And there's always, at the end of the season, a team that can, you know, a lot of teams that can still make the wild card. But from my perspective as a Steelers fan, at least we have Cleveland in our division. They help us keep afloat. Isn't that right, Baltimore? <laughs> that's right. Because Cincinnati's not really doing a whole lot to help themselves either. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, I have James White at 26. Um, I'm not sure where we have him placed in our consensus rankings. The consensus, I did send him to you if you want to open them, but James White on our uh, list, I can just search for him, right? That works. He's number 24. He's right after Jay Ajayi. Yeah. So we've got him next to each other, Dave. Um, and you rank them right next to each other as well. Uh, you had White just ahead of Ajayi. Would you, is that how you would put them? Yes, because of Buffalo's defense, yes. Yeah. So I've got Ajayi just a few over just because um, the way I look at it is more of, you know, you've got a prime number one back versus a guy who isn't going to be getting the majority of the touches out of the backfield. But it has a much higher ceiling, probably, which is hard to say against a guy who just scored 30 points. But I still feel like, on average, White's going to have a higher ceiling than a Jai. What you're saying is New England is better than Miami as an offense. Correct. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just going to stop there because that seems like it's a correct statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, uh, at uh, honorable mention for running back, Jaquiz Rogers, who is 22% owned. Only a must grab if Doug Martin is not going to play this week. As of right now, it's cloudy. However, I think uh, it may be leading towards playing. What we need to Doug see Martin. is we need to see Doug Martin practice. We need to see right. Uh, he needs to practice tomorrow. Yeah, because he hasn't played in a number of weeks. But if he comes back, then then obviously they're pulling Rogers for Martin. Right, and coming off a of bye, he didn't practice on Monday, so he may just have one more day of rest and then come back, but. Uh, it may be one of those situations where they bring him back, but he's not quite ready, and they split between two guys, and then it's all just worthless. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers, we've got Ty Montgomery, who is 1% owned, owned in only 1% of leagues. Uh, he is probably going to be heavily involved. I know you like him, Jim likes him uh, for the Thursday night game because both Eddie Lacy and James Starks are going to be out we were talking about Niall Davis earlier in the game. Um, I think that this game still just hinges on how well uh, Aaron Rodgers can play. Uh, but Ty Montgomery, it could be a very sneaky start this week. There aren't too many people on bye, but Carolina and Dallas are both teams where there are plenty of fantasy players that are going to be missing from your lineup possibly this week. Well, remember that he saw as many targets as Randall Cobb did and more than Jordy Nelson for a week. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive. So, I mean, when you when you see targets, which is the number one thing you look for usually for a wide receiver, and you don't see the other wide receivers having been injured, you know, what, why did he get those targets? He got the targets because James Starks was injured, Eddie Lacy was limited. Now, James Starks is out, Eddie Lacy's out. So, why would those targets go down? I don't see it happening. And if they have such a lack of running backs, they're just going to throw the ball more. 
0% for me. I mean, look at the waiver wire picks this week. There's a lot of guys out there. There should be a waiver wire in every single one of your leagues. I don't really care how much of an expert league it is. Nobody owned Ty Montgomery unless you had 25, you know, roster spots. Right. And it's likely that nobody owns Kenny Britt either. He's only owned in 11% of leagues. So he has been playing very well. He's the 15th best receiver in uh, standard scoring. He has the 8th most receiving yards. Yep. For wide receivers. So, very impressive. It's a guy who we always knew had talent. You know, he's one of those guys that we used to poke fun at. But you only ever poke fun at the guys who are good. Well, we knew Kenny Britt was good because he had a breakout year before all of this. He was screwed because his knees just kept giving out on him. Yeah. It seems like he's healthy again. So, good for him. He's still a young guy. He's only like 28. So, um, Kenny Britt, number one receiver in... uh, in LA, they've been screaming that that team has been screaming for another number one receiver for years, and they looks like they finally got one. Um, I like Kenny Britt. You should he should definitely be owned. Let's put it that way. Maybe you're not going to start him every week because it is kind of a sketchy situation. However, you know he needs to be owned uh, in most leagues where people are still paying attention. Mm-hmm. So Kenny Britt, you know, looking at his past games, he's got 60 points in the year. He does only have one game over 10 points, which is a little concerning to me in a, in a standard scoring well what we'll start looking at and what we usually do during the during the year uh, so maybe in the next couple of weeks what we can do is is bring back one of those segments where we talk about um here's the leaders right here's the people that are the top 10 top 15 at their position um and, but here are the people that that really that number is skewed because if you just look at total fantasy points that's not the same thing as looking at um uh, minus like outline games. So like last right. year, there were a couple guys where they looked really good in a span of three or four weeks. But if you take out an outline game where they score thirty points, then you suddenly look at them and say you're like a flex player or like you know you're a bench player. Um, yeah, basically, you know, they're gonna. I don't know. You're gonna have to. Uh... Sorry, my computer just informed me that it's restarting whether I want it to or not. <laughs> I'll just share that one with everyone because I was just I was just completely thrown off by that. I have about ten minutes. Let's keep going here. Um, so uh, I, I like Kenny Britt. Like I said, he needs to be owned. Honorable mentions: Robert Woods is twenty two percent owned. Per- personally, I, I'm kind of shifting away from Robert Woods. Not. Uh, super into the whole Robert Woods situation. Well, Sammy Watkins will be back soon because he didn't require surgery. Is he coming back? I saw him on someone's roster today, and I was like, what is he doing? Like, this guy isn't paying attention. No, no, no. Just because you're on IR has no bearing on the fact that you you can come back after a certain amount of weeks because each player, uh, each team, rather, uh, this year is given the option to bring one person back as designated to return. They don't have to designate them beforehand. So when people put a player on IR, they're still allowed to bring them back within that first, uh, what is it, uh, six or seven games that they have to miss. Uh, then they can bring them back afterwards, right? Right, right. So for Sammy Watkins' sake, they, they let him uh, go on to IR because they needed to find out about the injury, about the, the foot problems he was having, etc. And it looks to me... Like, they're going to bring him back as soon as they can because it doesn't require surgery. It is a pain issue, and he's going to be off the field for uh, quite a few weeks. So he should be back and ready to go within a few weeks. Um, in the meantime, yeah, Robert Woods is the number one receiver, but he's just not that good. Exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. He's just not good enough. So, like, he's owned by a lot of teams, but I'm surprised whenever I see him playing uh, against me or, or even for one of my teams, depending on how bad my wide receiver situation is, because he's not going to go out there and score 20 points. He's just not, unless the game is, is very strange, unless the gameplay is very strange. All right, so Corey Coleman is the uh, last guy on the honorable mentions list, and that's a forward-looking kind of move. Uh, he's still out with his broken hand, and um, he's going to be out for at least a couple more weeks, I would assume, right? They said three to and six weeks. I think they weeks. have a very late bye this year. They said three to six weeks originally, so he should be uh, approaching, you know, uh, coming back. The uh, receiver has still not been cleared, though, and he will not return um, in week seven. So... I, I don't know exactly when he's expected to return. Um, I do know that the Cleveland Browns, uh, and I think the Titans, too, have a Week 13 bye. So that's really far ahead. Yeah, that's that's a long way from now. So don't be expecting that anytime soon. But Corey Coleman went out in Week 2. And uh, and so for him to come back in his six-week uh, sort of uh, expected time frame, He's uh, going to come back in week eight versus the Jets. However, I haven't heard any news uh, saying that he's back at practice or anything like that. So I really don't expect that to be happening. All right. Um, who's Who else is on our list? Hunter Henry? Yeah, Hunter Henry, 35% owned. Uh, looks like he's taking over for Antonio Gates. Gates is still getting a couple passes, but uh, Hunter Henry has put up 290 yards, three touchdowns over the past four starts. So he's the number three guy overall in standard scoring as far as tight ends are concerned, and he's going up against the Falcons, uh, who is they're a really great matchup against tight ends as far as fantasy points go. Uh, Eric Ebron for the Detroit Lions is only 46% owned, so he's an honorable mention there for tight ends because he's coming back off an injury, and uh, the pass-happy um, Detroit Lions should be looking to him again as a major fixture in their offense as uh, Ebron has performed pretty well when he actually plays. He's been getting um, four or five receptions per game. He has only scored one touchdown so far this year, but he has some some decent matchups coming up after the bye week in Week 10, so not a bad guy to have as a number 2 tight end if you're picking him up off the waiver wire. And if we're looking at defenses, again, I talked about Buffalo and uh, and uh, the Minnesota, but, but those are oh, probably yeah, are, the best for sure. <laughs> but they're probably they're probably already owned. I hope so, so I do like Philadelphia as well. Um, now, Baltimore Ravens are a pick from Jim, thirty three percent owned. They have put up consistent fantasy points all season, and they have a good matchup against the New York Jets. We talked about this earlier when we were discussing, you know, uh, Joe Flacco. Uh, the Jets are probably going to start Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, but they certainly could switch halfway through to Geno Smith. Neither of those quarterbacks have been playing very well over the past couple of games, and there's some great upside because. Uh, both of them have been giving up big plays to opposing defenses. Man, do you remember when the Jets were so worried about signing Ryan Fitzpatrick? And everyone said, all they need to do is sign Fitzpatrick and then everything will be fine. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you, you never know when you never know when someone's career is, is going to be ending. And I think originally when we first had that one big game from Fitz, uh, we said on the podcast that a couple people had mentioned that that was a career-ending day. And it might the, the six interceptions, and it might turn out to be exactly that. That's the turning point that ended Ryan Fitzpatrick's career as a journeyman quarterback. Unfortunately for him, he just can't come back from that uh, that huge, 
issue that he had that day. And ever since, he's been pretty bad, and the offense has not, you know, really been helping him out very much. Um, that said, I look at these games and I watch people running their routes, etc. It doesn't seem to be the offense's problem. They seem to be just running the way they should. It seems to be Ryan Fitzpatrick's problem. Yeah, I would definitely pin that one on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, uh, so, Dave, you're our defense guy. Did you uh, have you done the defensive rankings yet this week? Is there is there anybody else? We're having a little technical difficulties here. Sorry, folks. Um, is there anybody else in the defensive realm that you wanted to point out for us? Uh, the the <laughs> the difficulties were not were not technical. They were all of the beer variety. Technically, you're unable to pour your beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So, like I mentioned, uh, Philadelphia just recently had a bye. I like Philadelphia as a defense. They're playing against Minnesota. Um, the problem there is that Minnesota has been such a good team. But that doesn't mean that offensively they can't make mistakes. So I do like them if they're available. Um, I love Green Bay against Chicago because as, as good as Chicago has been doing, Green Bay has, has consistently put up um, an average to above average amount of points. Playing against a Chicago team that has guys like Cameron Meredith and Jordan Howard and Brian Hoyer, they are going to make mistakes. It's just a matter of when. Um, then looking at some, some teams that aren't as owned, Baltimore, that's a, that's a big, big pickup this week. I think that's a good one as well. Uh, and I also like Tennessee versus Indianapolis because Indianapolis has kind of been garbage. Um, <laughs> they have. You know, it's one of those things where we've given up a lot of points, that's for sure. Well, we, talk about, uh, we talk about Andrew Luck making mistakes and the whole offense making mistakes in the first half, coming back and winning games. They're sort of doing that this year, but not nearly as well as they've done over the past couple seasons. So Tennessee is also a great choice. If you if you don't have anybody else to pick and you need somebody, um, Jacksonville's been giving up a bunch of points uh, as an offense, so Oakland isn't a, isn't a bad play either. Um, but that's definitely pretty far down there. Um, the main defenses that I didn't mention are like Arizona and Denver, and you're already playing them. New England versus Pittsburgh, but they're already owned. So you can't get those guys. You know what I mean? It, Seattle, you're not going to pick those guys up. So Right. Uh, Actually, I saw Seattle on the waiver wire for their bye week, but they should be was, owned by now. Well, that was two weeks ago. That was two, exactly. It was two weeks Someone ago. picked up Seattle. Right. And if they didn't, they need to. So, yeah, you've got these teams like Baltimore, Tennessee, Oakland, um, if you can't get a, a Buffalo or a Green Bay. All right. All right, so every week uh, we do like to go over some trends and make bets and stuff like that. Uh, every week we end up making bets on some things. So last week uh, we had our buddy Mike on the show. Uh, between Dave and Mike and I, we bet on uh, Kuma's Corner, which is a local heavy metal burger joint, if you will. Um, so the winner oh, of, I will. Of, last week, of last week's trends bet gets free Kuma's Corner. Uh, and that winner was me. In fact, I had eight of the uh, eight eight of the uh, predictions correct. So um, Mike had four, Dave had two. Uh, basically, um, the big ones were were just uh, Kirk Cousins, 
went over his 15. Um, and uh, Victor Cruz stayed under his 5. So really, uh, it all kind of hinged on those two guys. Um, but, you know, winners getting Kuma's corner. I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, and then we've got the uh, Week 7 trends coming up as well. So um, let me just load those up here. Because my computer, as you all know, since you were listening 10 minutes ago, forced me to restart when I didn't want to. Against my will, if you will. So um, this week for Week 7, we've got uh, at quarterback Marcus Mariota. Um, he has been amazing the last couple of weeks. So he's gone uh, from 9 to 30 to 28 points. So um, not a direct lineup, but close enough for us, right? Are, are you okay with that sort of upward trend, Dave? Sure, <laughs> I you know we we switch off on the, on the trends writing it every other week for podcast right so it's really up to uh, to your particular sensibilities and uh, these are your particular sensibilities. Sure. So um, he he's had over the last two weeks uh, six touchdowns with just one interception. He is still only owned in sixty one percent of Yahoo leagues, and he is the number eight overall quarterback so far this season. Um, so he's been very good and. Uh, he has a very favorable schedule ahead of him. So five of his next six games are against bad teams. He plays the Packers in that stretch. Is the only team that resembles a good team. Uh, so he has a very favorable schedule going into his Week 13 bye, which is crazy far off, which means uh, he's a perfect bye week replacement because the only other person with a bye the same week as him is Cody Kessler. You're not starting Cody Kessler. So um, if you need a, a backup... Marcus Mariota is the guy to look for. I think I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about waiver wires. He's definitely someone who, um, you know, is totally worth picking up and starting as a spot start here and there. I started him last week over um, uh, whoever was playing Seattle. I didn't want. I didn't want any part of that. <laughs> I, I would like to mention that. Uh... That you said the last couple weeks he's done well, and that's really all it is is the last couple weeks. So the last two it's weeks, true. The last two weeks. And are keep in mind that week five versus Miami, he only had 163 yards. So most of his uh, his points came from the one rushing touchdown and some quick touchdowns that he had in the air. In three passing touchdowns. And also keep in mind that one of the big reasons why he's doing well right now is a gentleman that was uh, injured all season, which is another guy we didn't even mention during the waiver wire pickups. That's Kendall Wright who is now taking back over the wide receiver job from Richard Matthews and Tajay Sharp, both of who on Tennessee have not been very good or lived up to expectations. Kendall Wright last week, he had six more targets than anyone else. He was targeted nine times. So, I mean, I I just, I think that that this, I'm agreeing with you, that he is moving up as a quarterback and their offense is doing better in general and they have DeMarco Murray, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that helps anybody. But now their wide receiver game, you know, their passing offense is picking up almost solely because of Kendall Wright is what I would propose to you is the reason why he went from 202 to 163 to 284 and now is trending up passing yardage-wise because Kendall Wright just came back and is healthy for the first time this entire year. So this is good news. Well, Kendall the, Wright's only played the last game. Exactly. So the the Miami game, he wasn't really involved. Uh, Mariota still did sort of get in the But the yardage was very low. Yes, and the yardage definitely came up with Wright. Touchdowns um, are an outlier. The yardage is consistent, usually for the quarterbacks. So he's he's done better, is doing better, but it's better to have a guy who you can actually pass the ball to. And hopefully it can continue for Mariota and As then a quarterback. it's even better. Right, because if he gives the ball to Murray every play, that's not helping us. <laughs> that doesn't give him any points. 
So um, we will go ahead and start the line on Mariota at 22 points. He's playing this week at home versus Indianapolis. Dave, would you like to start or do you want me to start? Well, I don't know. It's your your sensibilities, my friend. Well, we just go back and forth with this. It's not a big deal. Pick one, my friend. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say that Mariota um, can go over 22 in this game. Well, you know what I have to do now. Then you're going to go under. I'm going to go over. You're going to go over. So we're going to go to 23. So I get the feeling that we're just going to keep pushing each other a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll stay over at 23. And I'll go under. Okay. You just want <laughs> You just want another point. That's all I get it. Exactly. No, I, I like Mariota, and I love his uh, his ability to run, and I love Kendall Wright coming back, and I love DeMarco Murray, but I have a feeling that he can't keep up the three-touchdown, three-touchdown passing uh, over consistent games because I think that's kind of an outlying performance. So I, I would not be surprised if he goes over 20. My personal opinion is he, he doesn't score 23, and that's such an arbitrary number because it has to be, but... That's my opinion. But I like Mariota. Uh, do, you, do you own him anywhere? Are you playing him anywhere? Uh, I picked him up in a league where, like I said, I started him last week. So just glancing at the roster of that league, I've got Eli Manning as my other quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that league, I have been swapping out my second quarterback over and over again. Um, but with Mariota playing Indy and Eli playing Los Angeles, I will stick with Mariota yet again. Yeah, so I have Mariota at 9 personally and Eli Manning at... Uh, 17. Speaking of Eli playing Los Angeles, we didn't mention this yet. Uh, the next Los, uh, London game is this week. Um, that game starts at 8.30 a.m. Central Time for all of you in the Chicago area and the Central Time Zone. Um, that means you'll all be sleeping you just do the math. by Sunday Night Football. Yes, that is essentially what that means. <laughs> so remember that you have to set your lineups early for those teams. Um, as well as uh, this is all going to be happening again next week. Right. There's going to be another London game. Three London games a year, and then later on in the year, there's a Mexico City game. And you know, and that one is that one is at four sure, in the morning. Yes, it's, it's important to make sure that we start games <laughs> at ridiculously early times and that we don't let anybody have fun after they score a touchdown. You're not allowed to go out on Saturday nights any longer. I mean, a lot of teams already have that rule and that rule. Personally, it makes sense to me to say, don't go out on Saturday night because you're going to be a millionaire. You can go out where the hell you want later on. Yeah, but that doesn't work when everyone around you makes the same amount of money. Yeah. Then you're, it's, you're, all, <laughs> you're all in the same boat, man. Yeah. It's just a more expensive boat. It's a really nice boat. Just ask the Minnesota Vikings. So we've got uh, Aaron Rodgers, who is trending downward. Um I think we all kind of knew that. He had four touchdowns in week three, 26 points. Week five, he had two touchdowns, two picks against the Giants, about 18 points. Week six, just last week, he only had 13 and a half points against Dallas. It was a disappointing start, let's be honest. Um, so anyone who follows us tracking the trends probably knew that we would bring up Aaron Rodgers in this situation. Uh, so he's traditionally the gold standard for fantasy football consistency. This year, especially the last few weeks, he's been fool's gold, as we used to say. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that Rodgers, uh, well, I don't think it, I know it. Statistically speaking, he's very close to what he was doing last year. Uh, yards per passing and, uh, I'm sorry, completion percentage and yards per passing attempt are both way down for his career. Rather than being in the 68 69% for completion rate, he's down around 60. Rather than being at the 8 to 9 yards per attempt, he's down around 6. That makes a huge difference on a guy who is going to throw the ball 
uh, 30 times a game at least. I mean, hell, he threw the ball 87 times in the last two weeks and barely has 30 fantasy points to show for it. Um, so we expect more from Rodgers. Um, I was listening to Sports Talk Radio here in Chicago, and uh, a guy who I really respect his football opinion, Hub Arkish, uh, was talking. Was asked about Aaron Rodgers. Like, have we ever seen a, a Hall of Fame caliber player just lose his mechanics like this? And he pointed out that this happened to Philip Rivers a couple years ago, where Rivers just went completely off the rails for almost the whole season. Rodgers, you could say, was off the rails most of last season. Started this season kind of shaky. Looks like he's still not got it figured out. Um, but Philip Rivers did figure out his mechanics, did get it all working again, and is playing much better. I expect Aaron Rodgers to figure it out as well. The question will be then, does he figure it out this week against the Bears, or is the lack of Eddie Lacy and James Starks going to just screw with him a little too much? And he has to, you know, worry about just staying upright in this game. Um, so, anyways, we'll we'll set our line at 19 points for Aaron Rodgers. So, um, I, I went first on the last one, Dave. You get to go first on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, over. Over 19 against the Bears. I I, I feel like I should be a homer, but there's no way. I got to go over as well. So, so at 20 points, do you stay over? Over. You stay over at 20. I'm going to let you take the 20, and I'm going to go under 20. I think the score is 28. So I could have kept going, huh? <laughs> Look, I, I, I think I think you're right uh, about everything, except I'm not sure that Philip Rivers makes it in the Hall of Fame. I think he won't be a first balloter for, for sure. It'll take him a while. Um, but uh, everything else I'm, I'm on board with. Yeah, but he's going to go down as the best... I mean, he's certainly the best quarterback that the Chargers have ever had. Is that is that I a requirement to get into the Hall of Fame? Is to be the best Chargers quarterback? <laughs> uh, I mean, look, Philip Rivers is probably going to play about four more years. I think that his career stats will be plenty to get him into the Hall of Fame. I understand. He's gonna. I don't know. He's gonna have a ridiculous amount of passing yards. That's for sure. All right. So moving on to the running backs, we've got James White. Uh, He's been trending upwards uh, week four against Buffalo before Brady was back. He had five for 50, uh, receiving a total of 6.2 points. Week five, he had four catches for 63 yards. Last week, he had eight catches for 47 yards, two touchdowns. Also ran the ball seven times for 19 yards. Uh, So 15 touches for James White. You know, you're getting into that territory of, like, you're going to start most running backs who are getting 15 touches, but he had 18 points. Uh, so he's trending up in both points and touches thanks to the return of Tom Brady. Uh, everyone knows that the focus of the offense is going to shift towards passing uh, as soon as Brady returned, and that's what's happened. Um, we did expect White to sort of, uh, you know, take this uptick, and LeGarrette Blunt we're seeing a corresponding sort of dip in his production. Uh, but the question with the Patriots is how long is it going to last? How consistent is it going to be? It used to be in previous years that it would be a James White game and then it would be, uh, you know, whoever was filling that role of James White and then it would be a LeGarrette Blunt game, you know, other weeks. So, uh, or a Ben Jarvis Green Ellis game. Um, ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Don't you remember Ben Jarvis Green Ellis on the Patriots? On the Patriots? He was on the Patriots before he was on the uh, Bengals. I forget all about that. 
the law firm. I think you were talking about somebody else. No, Ben Jarvis Greenellis was on the Patriots. He was their plotting plotter. Hmm. Anyways, um, you know, with White playing better, are you going to keep starting him or maybe offer him up as some trade bait because Deion Lewis um, might come back? But like you said, that's that's pretty sketchy at the moment. Um, so the Patriots go to Pittsburgh. They play the Steelers, who don't have Big Ben. Uh, we will start James White's line at 11 points versus the Steelers. Dave, where do you go? Or, no, it's me first. Oh, yeah, 08 to, to 11, right? Yeah, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. Um, so uh, his line starting at 11 points with Tom Brady in a standard league. I, I'm going to go over. I think that the Patriots uh, unfortunately get blown out at home this week. I don't want to see it, but I think it's going to happen. <laughs> what? I, I said I think that they're going to get blown out. That's all. That's crazy. Okay, well, it's Landry Jones at quarterback. He's going to have like three interceptions. You said the Patriots get blown out at home. Oh, I meant the Patriots blow out the Steelers. Okay. Well, let's That look, is a little crazy. Let's You're make right. sure our expectations are, are dealt with here. I need to fix my words, that's all. all my right. expectations are probably in the right place. <laughs> Um. So so if they get blown out, then wouldn't they put Legarrette Blunt in and not James White? Well, on the way to blowing them out, he's going to be the one scoring points. Yeah, I'll go under. Okay. So under and over. All right. So we don't have to move the James White line. I like James White, by the way, but but saying he gets eleven points in a standard scoring lean just means he doesn't get a touchdown. That's funny because I kind of thought when I wrote this one up that you would go over and I would go under. But it just means he doesn't get a touchdown. He could have a really great exactly. game. Exactly. You know, you can always look at these lines. You're just saying way. he's scoring a touchdown. And you know, I want to touch on we did last year. Uh, we would select a lineup rather than selecting where a certain guy would fall. I like doing that as well. We'll do that in uh, in some weeks coming up for sure. Uh, so we've got Isaiah Crowell at running back. In week four, he had 20 points, uh, 120 yards, a touchdown, a bunch of receiving yards. It was a great game for him. Uh, week five against New England, he had 13 carries, 22 yards, only four points. In week six, only nine carries, only 16 yards, 3.6 points against Tennessee. So he started off the season like he was fired from a cannon. He put up just shy of 400 yards and three touchdowns in just the first four games. He was you know, headed towards top 10 running back status for the season. Then, um, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that's right, I'm on the Browns, I'm supposed to be terrible. Uh, so his production fell like a rock, uh, his touches are starting to drop likewise, I guess. So, Duke Johnson Jr. is getting more carries, you were talking him up a little bit earlier, you think that he's going to be a guy, uh, going forward who's going to get more carries and stuff, I tend to agree with you, um, but I gotta say, you know, it's mostly Crowell's fault. Week one through four, he had six point four five yards per carry. In the last two weeks, he's only had one point seven two. So is this a product of the offensive line going away? I suppose, but it's not like they were the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, uh, where they were gonna have rushing champions behind them all the time. Um, so it's hard to keep giving the ball to Crowell if he's gonna have a production drop that huge. Uh, he's still owned in 90% of leagues. He was still started in 51% of leagues last week. Um, he faces the Bengals this week. Uh, I, you know, uh, I, I will reserve my opinion because Dave has to get pick this one first. But uh, he will set his line at nine points, which essentially would mean, you know, are you going to start him or not? Because if he goes over nine, then you probably want to start him. And if he, you don't think he's going to score nine, then you don't start him. So where do you put depending Jose on the Crowell? people on your team, of course. 
Right, depending on who else is on your roster. Yeah, I'll say under for him. Under nine points for Crowell. I also go under with nine. Okay, I'll go over. So you're going to go over eight? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go... I'll go under eight. Over and under. So uh, moving on to the wide receiver position, uh, one, of the, one of the guys I think you've been enjoying... Uh, watching play lately is Jameson Crowder, uh, who's had some exciting plays for sure. Uh, week four against Cleveland, he had three targets, only two catches, uh, 21 yards, 2.1 points. Uh, week five against Baltimore, three catches, three targets, 35 yards, also scored a return touchdown, so he scored nine and a half points. Week six against Buffalo, he got another touchdown, he scored 52 yards, he had 52 yards, scored 10.3 points. Um, so Crowder is kind of trending up where Deshaun Jackson is trending down. Uh, Jordan Reed still isn't uh, officially back yet or anything like that. Uh, so he is getting a larger role on the uh, Redskins offense. Um, so uh, he's, you know, Crowder has made big plays to help the team win the last couple weeks. They've won by just a touchdown the last couple weeks. He's scored a touchdown. So I think that that's a good reason, you know, Jay Gruden is the kind of guy who's going to be giving the ball to guys who can just, you know, make big plays, guys who he thinks is going to help his team win. Um, so I think that Crowder is going to keep getting fed the ball. I see, um, you know, the production shifting just a little bit from Deshaun Jackson to Jamison Crowder. Uh, certainly Pierre Garçon is going to start taking a back seat to him. Well, Crowder doesn't play the same role as Deshaun Jackson. Is Crowder more of a, is he more of a slot receiver then? He's more of a Pierre Garçon. Okay, well, yeah, there's going to be a lot less Pierre Garçon. But Deshaun is a burner, like a Mike Wallace, like a like a long distance. You know, that's why he's yeah. A, but if Deshaun's not burning people, they're going to have to be checking down, and that's where Jameson Crowder comes. I in. agree with you. I'm just saying that he's boomer bust. He's always going to be that way. I don't think Crowder takes the 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 stuff away from Jackson specifically. I think it's more of Jackson's being more ineffective. Therefore, there's more work available for Crowder. I understand that they're not in the same position and it's not a one-for-one subtraction. But I think because Jackson is not getting open and not producing, that Cousins may stop throwing it to him as often. And that's just going to mean that, you know, he's going to throw the ball as often per game still. So there's going to be more work for Crowder. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you might be right. We, we, We might see him run some similar routes or split up. Uh, opposite Deshaun on on some routes because he's not strictly a possession receiver. Um, but remember, he's a second year guy. He's a fourth round draft pick. Um, I think I think he's going to be good and continue to to sort of um, increase his production throughout the year. Uh, so whose turn is it then? Uh, I'll go first. So they're going to play the Lions this week. The Redskins will. The Lions are giving up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. We're starting the line on Crowder at seven points, and I'm going to go over. Yeah, up. Okay, eight points, I stay over. Up. Nine points, uh, I'll stay over. Up. You're pushing it, Dave. Ten points. Up. You, you Okay, 11 points, I'll stay over. Up. You want to go over... All right, 12 points, I'm going under. This has gone too far. All right. Are you going to stay over? Yep. Over, under... That's the since we started doing the uh, movement of the line thing. That's by far the most the line has moved. We started at seven, we finished at twelve. It's impressive. So, 
Uh, next guy on the list is Antonio Brown. So, unfortunately, Antonio Brown has been trending down. Now, um, I, I, like we said earlier when we talked about the Steelers at the top of the show, I don't think that Antonio Brown is a sit in anybody's world. You'd have to be absolutely crazy to sit Antonio Brown. That being said, you know, two touchdowns, 18 points in week four, scored a touchdown, had nine catches and 78 yards in week five, 13 0.8 points last week only four catches 39 yards four and a half points ben roethlisberger was injured he was struggling in the second half for sure this week he's got uh um what the heck is his name jarvis landry no landry jones landry jones thank you is jarvis the, landry jones the lagunitas ipa is affecting your uh, your brain stem it has gotten to the brain that's at this sure. point yes it's landry jones throwing antonio brown the ball correct yeah so Brown was the consensus number one pick, um, and he has two games this year where he scored under five points. And I think that, um, well, certainly not in the past, Brown has been guilty of that. But um, last year he had a couple of games like that after he broke his streak. He he went a very long time without ever going under five points, which was very impressive. But it's certainly not time to panic with Brown. As soon as Roethlisberger's back, I think that he goes right back into top ten status. But I think you can only consider him a, a WR2 this week at best. Um, with Landry Jones and the New England Patriots as a uh, as an opponent, you know, it's a shame that uh, we couldn't have a full-powered uh, Steelers play the Patriots because that would have been an amazing game this week. It would have been one of those ones that you set aside Red Zone Channel and make sure you watch because it's not going to be a primetime game this week. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's a shame, but... We're talking about Antonio Brown here. He is the only consistent part of the Steelers who either have Ben Roethlisberger injured or Le'Veon Bell suspended, it seems. Um, So once they get it going, it'll be great, but they need to get it going. Uh, But for this week, against the Patriots, we'll set our line on Brown at 12 points. Now, uh, it's your turn to go first, Dave. Uh, Do you want to go over 12 points? Over. I would assume so. I'm going to go under 12. I don't think that Antonio Brown scores more than 12 points this week. Um, I just uh, I don't see Antonio Brown playing well with Jarvis Landry. Landry Jones. Landry Jones. I'll drink for that one. <laughs> Fair enough. That's going to make things better, right? I, I think drink for it. I think with Sammy Coates just a little injured, you know, didn't get any points last week at all. The main targets of the game are Bell and Brown, and I think that uh, Landry Jones, he wasn't really shy about targeting Brown. Uh, he's just not as good of a quarterback as Roethlisberger. But I think because of the way that the game works, I say New England ends up going up by a bunch of points, and then, you know, we, we see a couple of touchdowns from Bell and Brown just because that's how the game's going to work in the second half. It's going to be kind of sad as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but maybe I just skipped the last half and didn't tally up my fantasy points after the game. <laughs> Well, if you remember your Landry Jones history, he made a great premiere last year. He went 8 for 12 with 168 yards and two touchdowns to start. Um, and it won a game against Arizona, who was a very good team last year. He can also pass the ball downfield, did a bunch of times to Coates and to Brown. He's just uh, He's been too, uh, too turnover happy um, in that offense because he's not Roethlisberger. He's... Landry Jones running the Todd Haley offense. Yep. So he does have a career completion percentage of only 57%. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio of 3 to 4. Um, you know, not not very encouraging. 
But he has a small-ish sample size. Very small sample size. Essentially, his sample size is a game and a half of like a proper starter. Yeah, so I don't want him to be the quarterback, but there, there's a possibility that he could have a good showing. Probably just not, you know, it's it's not likely against Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots. <laughs> not likely at all. All right, so at tight end, we've got Hunter Henry, who is playing great for San Diego. Week four against New Orleans, he had seven targets, four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Um, week five at Oakland, four targets, three catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. This is going to seem like a pattern. Week six, six catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. So this guy has scored 12, 13, and 14 points over the last few weeks. So that screams consistency. It's what you want to see at any position. At tight end, it's twice as good because there aren't guys who are doing this, especially guys who are only available in a small number of leagues. I don't remember the the number that Jim provided us, but I'm certain that uh, Hunter Henry is available in more than half of the leagues, uh, of Yahoo leagues. So he scored a touchdown in each of the last three games. He has 19 targets during that time. Um, He is second in scoring over the last four games at the tight end position. That's essentially, in the last four games, are when he's been very involved with the offense. He, pardon me, he is a rookie. Uh, and they did have Antonio Gates to start off the season, at least. Of course, old man Gates is already injured. So plenty of space for Hunter Henry there. Plenty of snaps, plenty of playing time. Um, I expect Hunter Henry to kind of continue in this role, and we know that Philip Rivers loves throwing to the tight end. Um, so they faced the Falcons this week. The Falcons have given up the fifth most uh, points to opposing tight ends. Uh can Hunter Henry continue his impressive streak? Uh, we start his line at 13 points, and I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say that he goes over. Dave, over? I, yeah, you just want the extra point. All right, over. <laughs> Under. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's your rule. I'm just living in it, man. <laughs> whatever, whatever. What are, what are we betting anyway? Did you decide that? Uh, you know, I did not decide that. I uh, was a little distracted when it came time to decide that. I... I I was going to give myself some time after work. All right, so pick one then. Uh, well, I think that we should bet on steaks uh, in, um, in homage of tonight's dinner. Didn't we, we already did a steak bet this year. Have we done a steak bet this year? Yeah, we did the steak steaks. The steak steaks? Yeah, I think it was John Brown versus the Malcolm were Floyd. Steaks. Oh, geez, I have Malcolm Michael Floyd. Floyd Michael Floyd. And yeah, it looks like I'm winning that one so far. Yeah, you're already winning steaks, I guess. <laughs> All right, then we will bet on barbecue. We did that before. That worked out pretty well. So winner gets barbecue. And I, and I like kind of leaving it open-ended like that. That's right? fine with me, sure. Do we have a tiebreaker for this? We do have a tiebreaker. I want to know, Dave, uh, and it is your turn to choose, what is going to be the total passing yards from both teams in the Atlanta-San Diego game? So Matt Ryan and Phil Philip Rivers. Exactly. Nice round number. Uh, 627 yards. 627. I... I want the... Hmm, do I want the over? I kind of want the over in this. <laughs> well, you can split it right in half, but they have to get an awful lot of yards to be up there. Well, I could take like 628 and just take the over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hmm, I'm going to do it. I'm taking 628. All right, well, that's that's going to be a fun game to watch. We can tally it. Right, we can just count them down. <laughs> So uh, so that's that's always a, a trip. It's always a good time to go over the player trends, etc. Like I mentioned earlier, I want to bring in some of those other stats and figures. 
especially those ones concerning directly uh, how a player is doing over a period of time, taking out the outlying games. Because as we all know, sometimes you have a game where because of the game scheme or because of the defense or because of uh, weird particular circumstances, you're getting more points than you would in an average game. Look at a guy like David Johnson. He scored three touchdowns twice. That's, that's, That's an average for him. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's no longer an outlying game. But if you look at a guy like Doug Martin, for a lot of the years that he's played, he's had a couple games where he scores way more points than the other games. Yeah, but his yardage totals are always very high. I and mean, that's fine. But So he's consistently, he's got a, he's got a high floor. But his uh, his high ceiling is rarely hit. You just have to scoop some guys. Like let's say we look we look at uh, Jay Ajayi, you know, including his last game where he did so well. Um, in week ten, we look back and we say, here's the past four weeks. You know, six, seven, eight, and nine. Whatever uh, happened to that thirty two percent point performance? Yeah. Well, or we say, you know, this this actually. Um, was the beginning of a, a new Jamal Charles or something. I mean, I don't expect that to happen, but the idea of looking at it is saying, is it an outlying performance? And if it is, if you throw it out, is that person really as valuable as you think they are? So that's kind of neat. Um, and then uh, to Jason's point, and we talked about the waiver wires from, from Jim Hutchins, who's one of our staff writers, um, and we also have quite a few other articles up on drink5.com that we would love for you to take a look at if you haven't already. And follow our podcast, of course, on uh, on iTunes and Stitcher under Drink Five Network. And uh, and Jason, for next week, this is week seven. Um, what what is the is the most interesting thing or two that, that people should be looking for in all of these week seven games, in, in your opinion? Well, what what are you going to be looking at the most? Are there some particular players that you think uh, deserve more attention that they're getting or do you think that there's uh, just general NFL situations that you should make sure to watch for uh, you know as a lover of the game what, what do you suggest people look at um, okay I'll give you five things that I'm going to be watching for this week number one is going to be An- uh, Aaron Rodgers can he play well against the Bears they beat him in Green Bay last time so he's been struggling does he look like the old Aaron Rodgers that's all I'm concerned about um Number two, will Odell Beckham Jr. Um, continue playing well, or is it going to be goofy antics and occasionally running by guys? You know, I, I don't want the guy who's going to keep hugging the kicking net and taking his helmet off on the field. I want the guy who's going to keep scoring 60-plus yard touchdowns. That's the guy who I want. Um, I want to see the Vikings defense dominate. I mean, dominate the Eagles. The Eagles have shown that they're mortal. They're not like this amazing rookie sensation necessarily uh, because they played poorly last week against uh, Washington. So I think that this week the Vikings can come back from by and really put a hurt on them. Yeah, I'm in a three-quarterback league, which is fantastic. It's two, <laughs> two quarterbacks and a super flex. And uh, I have Sam Bradford or Carson Wentz. And although Carson Wentz has done really well this year, I'm sitting him and I'm playing um, Minnesota defense. And well, I was going to do that anyway. But I do. Right. I think that Minnesota is going to put uh, Philadelphia back in their place for at least a game. Are you uh, playing Sam Bradford instead? Yeah. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, I'm actually going to be paying attention to see how well Colin Kaepernick does. Not a huge Kaepernick fan, not because of the things he does, just because I don't like him as a player. Um, it's strictly on the field prejudice there. So, um, uh, you know, they play the Buccaneers. They have a home game. It's a great situation for him to prove that he can be the starter. Otherwise, what are we going to see? Carson or 
Christian Ponder later on in the season? Who knows? And then finally, uh, because I am a selfish fantasy football player, I really need to see C.J. Anderson have a good night against the Texans. Um, you know, Frank Gore put up 100 yards last week, and he's Frank freaking Gore. So uh, nobody had done that for the Colts in 60 games or something like that. Um, yeah, since uh, like 2005 or something. 12, I think. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, 2012. But uh, but yeah, I that's a that's a tough uh, order. So give me some C.J. Anderson. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, Devontae Booker, fine, but let's not give him too much yet. Let's, I want to see C.J. Anderson produce. Let's say with C- what he's given. Let's say C.J. scores like seven points in a standard scoring league. Do you do you consider benching him going forward? Um. Yes, I consider it. <laughs> but it always depends on what you got. If C.J. Anderson is on your team, he might be your number one running back, which means, you know, you don't have a replacement. It means that a, a floor of seven might be what you put in there. Right on. It's unfortunate that the ceiling seems to be about ten right now. Yeah, so uh, I agree with you. In addition to all those things, of course, I'll be watching the Steelers and Patriots game, unfortunately. Um, and then you guys can all watch for me next week. Uh, I'll be at the Jaguars and Titans game. I will be the guy. You'll in, be the guy in the audience in I'll, the in the crowd. I'll be the guy in the Cecil Shorts uh, Jaguars jersey. Oh, fantastic! Holding up a sign that says "Bring back Cecil." Very nice. <laughs> no, he's going to have a huge week this week because Vincent Jackson's on the IR now, so they need him as the third wide receiver in Tampa Bay. Um. Yeah, because Adam Humphreys fills in as number two. Right. So Cecil Shorts will hopefully get some catches. Humphreys, another uh, honorable mention, I guess you could say. He is, although he hasn't, hasn't done that well over the past two weeks. So, Only PPR leagues. Yeah, exactly. So it's... Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you can tell, there's a lot of people on the waiver wire that you should at least consider um, in the same manner or, or even more so than Jason is considering... Benching C.J. Anderson after he only scores seven points <laughs> next uh, next Sunday. Please, C.J., don't make me make this decision. <laughs> I just want to keep you in my lineup. All right, well, I want to thank everyone uh, for listening this week. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, Week Seven's results, what's going to go on in Week 8. Um, make sure that you follow us on iTunes, that you follow us on Twitter, give us a review on iTunes, go to our website and check out all of the great articles that we post every week. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash drink5network. Right? I think I got them all, Dave. I got them all this time around. Cheers, buddy. Drink5.